Welcome back, everyone, to Anime Was Not a Mistake, our anime retrospective podcast. Mm. Uh, we did take a, a brief pause uh, for the, the Easter <laughs> weekend. Um, if you can call it that. As we said. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as we said. So our episode this week is coming to you guys a little bit later. Yes. Um, and we hope that's not terribly inconveniencing to anyone. Mm. Uh, but tonight will be a somewhat more casual episode accordingly. Um but, you know, it's a, it's a film that I'm pretty excited to cover, mm-hmm. uh, just because I don't see a ton about it. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't have any idea about this. I've never heard of it, and I've never seen it before. Yeah, so, so you and I, were go- you know, a lot's going to probably have to be extrapolated here, mm. but I think for that reason it could be a pretty uh, fascinating episode. Well, I so. hope I have the correct licensure for that. Extrapolation, you know. <laughs> I didn't go to school for that. <laughs> oh my um but before we get into that yes. uh do we have any anime film life video Oof. game news to I discuss have tons of film news that i'm going to uh, shorten but first video game i made it to chapter two of bravely default two and i'm only level 43 that grindin's paying off well there's seven chapters dead <laughs> and the next <laughs> level's 99 so am i playing this correctly or But it's quirky. The first chapter ends on a twist that I was like, gee, if I didn't watch any anime or read any books, this would have surprised me. But it didn't. It's Mm -hmm. cute. I love that series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Today, also, Nintendo revealed that they're going to be back at E3 in some regards. Yes, I oh. didn't. I didn't have time to do a deep dive into that. I saw that it was going around that E three is back for an all virtual, yeah. all uh, <laughs> virtual new ins- Spider Man E three virtual insinuates so. <laughs> that we will be there in the room. <laughs> the thing that uh, grind my gears first is um, they were going to make this a paid event, but now it's free. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I think they realize no one would pay for that. <laughs> no. no, no, certainly not. Uh, <laughs> even we as video game fans would not. I don't think. Yeah, uh, haven't they heard us say during the E3? I wouldn't have even paid. For that <laughs> Short of our friend Matt Cabrera using his expert. Oh yeah, and then we would all live stream together. '90s hacking <laughs> skills. I don't think we. No. I don't think we would have attended E3 if it had no. been that. So. No, but Ninty's back. Who knows how they'll disappoint us this summer. <laughs> Well, uh, many moons ago, not mm. so many moons ago, but we, we were holding out hope that some of our favorite anniversaries mm. and such were Zelda, being Metroid, saved Donkey for, Kong. Yeah. <laughs> All the same year. A, a theoretical E3. Well, now that Mario's dead. <laughs> yeah, rip. <laughs> 35 years young. Taken from us. Back into the Disney vault, so. Mm. Uh. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm excited about that. I do have a lot of film news, so I don't know if you'd let me just unpack all of it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I we are planning a, an anime masterpiece theater segment mm-hmm. coming at you in a few months for like four weeks or so of uh, Asian movies. Yes. Um, so I'm really excited for that, and I was expanding my horizons with the new Wong Kar Wai um, World of Wong Kar Wai box set provided by Criterion, and mm-hmm. you know I am a Criterion shill at heart. And I will do so to my dying day, but um, I've only seen a few of his films before, the two being uh, Chungking Express and In the Mood of In the Mood for Love, both of mm-hmm. which are classics. And he's a Hong Kong film director with an eclectic, flashy, nonlinear style. It's very hard to describe, but when you know you're watching you know you're watching one of his pieces when you watch mm-hmm. it. And I got through four of these films this week, um, thinking about maybe posting one, but I think I have two close to the heart. Um, that I'm dead set on watching, but mm-hmm. I highly recommend you get into these films as well, just because they're interesting and, you know, a little bit different from the American fare that we're, you know, of entitled course. to. Um, so I saw As Tears Go By. This is his first film, 1988, and it's a debut revenge gangster love story, mm-hmm. <laughs> which are words that I think might intrigue Dan. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw Days of Being Wild. Um, just, it's very non-linear, going back and forth between the stories of these young people in Hong Kong, uh, that are only slightly interconnected in their stories. Like, we get to see, like, one person in the background of someone else's and expand upon that. So if you like that kind of storytelling, this is the film for you. Uh, Chungking Express, I revisited, and this is the love story of two cops, and these cops are not bastards in this. In fact, they're just doing their job, Mm -hmm. and the fact that they're cops is only there to, uh, you know make them both the protagonists of this film like pat labor yes yeah yeah um so it isn't a cop story in any way Mm. it's more of a romance quirky romance that's very heartwarming in the end and then fallen angels which is the slight sequel to chunking express which takes a darker turn on the stories we're in in chunking express um but um it was meant to be a part of that movie at first but it kind of diverted into its own film Mm -hmm. which is interesting if you want to watch them back to back as Mm -hmm. i did and um i've got three more left to do this week to finish up the box set Mm -hmm. but it is a high recommend and then the highest recommend that i've watched i finally got around to it it is a south korean film by the name of the handmaiden 2016 Directed by Park Chan Park Cho, Park Chan Wook, uh, who did Old Boy, Lady Vengeance, mm-hmm. uh, the Vengeance trilogy, and it's a 1940s period piece set in Korea that's occupied by Japan, uh, and it is the best lesbian romance that I've ever seen put to screen before. That's mm-hmm. including Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Blue is the Warmest Color, as like the two recents that come to mind. Yeah. it blew me out of the water. It's three hours long, but. It has more twists than any film in recent memory has had, and they mm-hmm. are effective. The characters aren't like, you know, they're endearing. Like, you want to root for these characters, and it's divided into three parts, and I, like, I was devouring popcorn when watching it. It was a mm. great time at the cinema, um, and it did not feel like a two-hour 46 movie. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I cannot recommend it enough, um, especially if you just need something to watch. It is on Amazon Prime for free now. There is no physical media of it because it is very sexual. There's some explicit scenes in it, but they're tastefully done. It's not inappropriately sexual. Yeah, And yeah. I mean, that hasn't stopped you know physical releases and mm. so may hope may, you know, maybe yeah. who knows no, you know. can hold out hope it's 2016 and the the most recent one that i could look uh, get my hands on that would play in region a uh players is 136 dollars <laughs> so yeah i can't 
when it's on Amazon Prime for essentially free. Free for me. Well, we've managed to will shit into existence so on this maybe. podcast. So I hope it pays off. <laughs> it's like the next day mm. we get our wish granted in some form. So oh, hopefully it's coming my way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that's all I did this week. Caught up on some Asian cinema and mm-hmm. Bravely Default 2. Of course. Mm. Um... My, my, you know, uh, in terms of media stuff in the past week was uh, mostly just still enjoying Hades, uh, you know, mm. uh, playing it slowly, enjoying it, but but I, I truly love it. Yes. I regret that it took me so long to play it, but it is it is one of the most solid games I've ever played. Mm. Um, I love it, the characters, I love the takes on all the... And again, as I said, I think last week when I brought this up... Jordan it, Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah, it, it it doesn't take a lot for Greek mythology stuff to mm-hmm. to dazzle me. Yeah. Like I, you know, I could be lured into that theater, into that <laughs> that gaming chair very easily without you know just oh Greek myth oh okay that bordello on the street. <laughs> um, you know, but even so, this this just brings such like a like a, a life and a vibrancy to it. Mm. Um. I mean, I mean the compa- I don't know how much the comparison would make sense to more like moder- like younger listeners maybe, but the original God of War games did a lot of that back in the day. Mm. Like the you know they they gave each of the Greek gods like their own you know they're douchebags yeah. uh, you know consistently, mm-hmm. but it made each of them really stand out. Mm. Um, and this you know Hades does that. To, to the nth degree, and it is, you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Great game. Yeah. Highly recommended it. Um, and uh, the other big one. Um, <laughs> Two big ones. And I, I, <laughs> I returned to the theater at long last, uh, socially distanced and safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have done so if it wasn't, but it was, it was a socially distanced theater experience. Uh, I saw, of course, Godzilla v. Kong, ooh. Dawn of Monkey. And Dawn it, of ooh? Dawn of Ooh, yes. Um, and I loved it. <laughs> I I felt like like a kid watching that movie. Mm. I, I have not been that like excited and engaged in a in a you know in a long time. It it brought a tear to the eye. It and was, then the movie just, started. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was just, you know, a fantastic and entertaining movie. Mm. Um, as a fan of those types of movies. Um, I got to see it uh, for for the 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 cinematic people out there. Mm. I got to see it in one of those like XD surround sound theaters. Ooh. So the the booms uh, of the monsters and the when Kong whacked his mighty stick. Yes, uh, the because he's using tools. <laughs> the theater but, shook. The, you know the destruction and everything. It felt like it was happening around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Again, the last film that I saw in theaters was my second viewing of Rise of Skywalker with you, mm. um, I think at the beginning of last year. Yep. So, uh, this was, if there was ever going to be a movie that got me to briefly, I'm not saying I will be going back to the theaters uh, consistently. Green <laughs> yes, but, you know, as perhaps, you know, not with the same regularity mm. as the olden days, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. yet. But this was this was more than a a fitting return to the theater. It was just truly, mm. you know, like a it took me back to my youth in terms of a theater going experience. The mm. the movie is goofy as all hell. I hear, yeah, um, it just kind of you know the same way that we tracked the development of Godzilla from a very 
serious and and dour kind of movie in you know with the 1954 one a few years later it got into goofy territory and then a few years later on it got into full-blown goofy sci-fi territory Hmm. um and many reviewers uh have have pointed out that you know this monsterverse film series has done that in an even shorter amount of time Hmm. you know it starts out with the you know the 2014 godzilla movie which is is played straight and and serious and then you know the, the Kong movie, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, veered into bigger scale goofiness, mm-hmm. sci-fi things, and then you, you come full circle with this one, and they got Hovercrafts, and... Hollow Earth. They got Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I hear. Um, who was just a, a delight to see. Yep. Um, and uh, he... Mechagodzilla in the movie is kind of like an amalgam of of several. Mm-hmm. You know, they clearly went back and watched all of the the you know previous Mechagodzilla movies because it's like all these mythology gags mm-hmm. are just thrown in and kind of you know combined into this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I've said jokingly to people, it quite literally does the the Batman v Superman plot better than than Batman v Superman <gasps> at times. It it kind of even if it's if it's a giant monkey and a big lizard, they they there's like this weird dynamic between the two of them that kind of sells the whole, you know, Godzilla's mm. like this old pissed off warrior yep. and Kong is this this upstart big gorilla and they're going to clash and uh, you know no matter no matter whose side you're on it it, it it's done. <laughs> Like it's never not an inter, and it never doesn't make sense in context of mm-hmm. of, jo- of of kaiju movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I cannot recommend that enough. Mm. Yeah, it's on HBO Max now. Um, Do I need to see the other ones in the series, the new series? I I, I would recommend. I it, mean, yeah. I have already. But yeah, for the viewer who hasn't, perhaps. I I would recommend it because I, I I mean I it's probably not a requirement, but. You know, Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters introduce plot points that are important for mm. this one. It's not it's not gonna like, you know, ruin the movie mm-hmm. if you don't see them, but they actually managed to to build up and foreshadow stuff in those movies. Mm. So I I would say check those out too. Interesting. Yeah. I'm happy you're happy. <laughs> you got ooh and lizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At last, together again in a cinema show. And and you know we we did cover that on this podcast and they are there are like several references to mm. like directly choreographed scenes that recreate things from the old Godzilla versus King mm. Kong movie. As I told you this week, the Mothra from the Mothra theme from Mothra uh, Godzilla versus the Monsters or King, King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. Uh, been on loop all week in my home. So. No, it, it, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it you know so and Mothra tends to get very nice mm. you know themes for each of her film appearances mm. um but yeah i you know I, so you won dan you if won i long term if yeah if <laughs> i if i've won any any hearts and minds over to kaiju movies then mm. you know it all it all comes to a head here so mm. yeah well um <laughs> i mean th- that's the only news that i can think of uh immediately do yep. you have a tangent for us i do but it would fit better in next week's episode or the next episode we record. Okay. So I don't for the sake of today. 
Okay. But I will save mine for next week's. You will save it as a plus it's, one. It's for... Sailor Moon adjacent. I was going to ask you your favorite Sailor Sailor again, but I think it works better next week. So you will default. For I will. Yes, yes. I will default for now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, so Dan we... can koi koi. <laughs> we can, uh, we can Oh, get... there's that new. Oh, yeah. Mm, Bell. Hosoda movie. Yeah. Looking good. It looks, it looks gorgeous. <laughs> I showed that trailer. I listened to that music. I went, oh, oh. <laughs> That it I know, it just looks it looks beautiful. We'll be watching that on this podcast. And and the music. Oh. I, I yeah, I'm just excited. And la bien. <laughs> <laughs> Who can resist the dance then? Of course. Mm. Yeah. But without further ado. Oh. Mm. Um and again, I, I I brought it up a few weeks ago. Godzilla Godzilla singular point did start, I think, in Japan mm. on TV this past week. But uh, like I'll tr- like I'll cover it on this podcast when we can legitimately watch it mm. in English here. Mm-hmm. I, I it, it's made in like a deal with Netflix, I think. So we'll get it. That you know it should be coming soon. Mm. So that that'll be covered inevitably mm. when it comes out for officially our eyes and ears. Okay. Um. But that's the only other news I can think of. Mm. Uh, shall we begin? Let us begin. Okay. So, uh, as I teased last time, when we when we started Sailor Moon, yes. uh, off to a great start, mm. phenomenal series, although we don't need to tell anyone that, but no. phenomenal series, um, I said that we are going to watch Venus Wars today. Mm. Uh, Venus Wars is a 1989 anime film directed by Yoshikazu Yasuhiko, and in order to discuss it, I'm going to roll out the drawing board... <gasps> And today he is the Independent Earth Press edition. Oh. So uh, you'll notice that he has very complicated-looking machinery mm. uh, and uh, you know heavily inked outlines <laughs> and, and a lot of uh, you know not holograms but a lot of gritty paperwork strewn about him. Ah, oh, that's where my papier mâché went. <laughs> yes, that that looks like it's it's straight from the front of a of a, of, a, of a terrible war. Mm. So. Uh, that's how he's reskinned for today. Hmm. Um, so uh, the film is based on Yasuhiku's manga of the same name, which was serialized in Gakken's magazine Nora Comics from 1987 to 1989. Um, and f- as far as specifics go, I do not know what the like serialization rate of this is. I would assume based on the gist of the plot that I've gotten that it probably wasn't weekly. Um, it, I would assume maybe, maybe it was monthly or something like that. Um, but, uh, again, even by those standards, probably a shorter, you know, running manga series. Um, Yuchi uh, Sasamoto joined him to write the screenplay for the film, uh, and it was produced, uh, jointly by Gakken, Bandai Visual, and, uh, Shochiku. Um, so, a little bit of world building for, uh, Venus Wars. In the film's timeline, a comic, a comet designated Apollon struck the planet Venus in 2003, in the, <gasps> the distant future of Where 2003. Was I? <laughs> uh, the impact disperses Venus's dangerous atmosphere, adds enough moisture to create acidic seas, and speeds up the planet's rotation enough to give it a more standard day-night cycle. What a handy meteor. And apparently... <laughs> Uh, this is incredibly unlikely. Um, like mathematically, yeah. <laughs> it is almost statistically imp- 
impossible, like like implausible, mm-hmm. but but it it actually apparently can happen. Hmm. Uh, but it would be what? an astronomically unlikely thing to happen. Well, we, an anime. <laughs> we we do not have Grant here <laughs> to dispute that fact um, of a comet making a planet able to sustain life, but. Oh well. I'm sure he'd have something if, snarky if, to say. If he's not here to argue it, we can <laughs> assume fact. <laughs> that this is scientifically accurate. So um so these changes uh open the door for humans to partially terraform Venus, sending the first ships there or the first manned ships there in two thousand seven and beginning to colonize the planet in two thousand twelve. By the year 2089, Venus has a population in the millions that is divided into two separate nation-states. The northern continent of Ishtar, mm. a la the dad Dustin Hoffman movie I from the... I was thinking of the, um, Shizu Ishtar. <laughs> of course. Yu-Gi-Oh. Our other favorites, yeah. <laughs> Great minds. Um, and the southern continent of Aphrodia. Hmm... Um, the film's main narrative begins just as the tension between these two nations reaches its breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have been in sort of a Cold War standoff up until now, um, but the film and the manga both depict this conflict finally coming to a head mm-hmm. in different ways, as we will discuss. Uh, this specific Blu-ray release from Sentai Filmworks includes an art book, uh, which I brought along so my co-host can can thumb through Good it. Days. Um, that just shows the incredible amount of detail put into the film's vehicles and weapons. Mm. Um, this is a this is a standard length movie. It's like an hour and forty minutes, but holy crap, the amount of detail in this little art book for everything that they that they put in it, mm. um, and some of it actually changes things from the manga so it wasn't necessarily like a one-to-one they just poured it over the stuff that was already designed they went the extra mile to put an incredible amount of detail into every vehicle in this movie Mm. and weapon and and setting pretty much um i absolutely love the aesthetic um we only briefly see some spaceships Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if i have ever covered this on this podcast but one of the loves of my life is the, like, late 80s, early 90s, um, hyper-complicated spaceship designs. Hmm. A lot of the older Star Wars comics use those. Like, they're just a big, single-color mass of of parts and shaded lines and hmm. vents, and you can't tell which way is, like, ass end up, and it's just like... <laughs> That's beautiful. If you look like that and you're a member of our audience, that I'll hook you up. chef's kiss. I don't know what it is, but I I love that that like the aesthetic of that kind of mm. sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Like I I you know prefer that to to more streamlined stuff. I don't know why, but it just it it screams old like retro Touch sci-fi me. to me. <laughs> um so uh be sure to check that out. Uh you know, you you can Again, this is from Sentai Filmworks, and this was like the commemorative edition of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe it was it was too expensive at all. Uh, so if if what we discussed today interests you, then by all means, you know we got a physical media show. Um, and again, we we have stressed many times that we love us some art books. Mm-hmm. Art books have have ensnared us 
more times than we would like to admit. Yep. Uh, but if you also enjoy that kind of stuff, then this is certainly something to check out. A, a Blu-ray set for you. Mm. Um, so a few notable changes from the manga. Uh, the Admiral A1, uh, which is referred to by most characters in the movie as the Octopus, is a uh, fairly tough twin-barreled tank in the manga. But the OVA, you know, film, what, what you, it's referred to as both, uh, transforms it into this rolling fortress that requires a ton of strategy and a huge arsenal to defeat, mm. even one of them. Even to make a dent in one of these things is seen as a monumental task. Mm. Um, so I, and I, I think that's one of the more recognizable elements of this movie. Uh, you know, there's a few. There's going to be a few moments as we're watching this tonight where it's like this is cyberpunk. <laughs> you know, similar to Pat Labor yeah. when you know this thing is clearly animated to be like a you know showpiece. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in the manga. Uh, the Hound battle bikes weigh one ton apiece and require a great deal of arm strength to properly steer. The film turns them into monocycles, similar to the regular dirt bikes that our scrappy group of protagonists usually ride, mm -hmm. um, which places the emphasis instead on the rider's ability to balance and maneuver them. Mm -hmm. And the film... Uh, and you you can judge this for yourself when you watch it. Mm -hmm. um, speaking to my co-host and to anyone else who <laughs> indulges in it, um, I think the animation does a good job of conveying that. You see many times in the movie that the, the dirt bikes and these other things are very wobbly and they're very temperamental. Mm. Like, we're obviously not getting into harder sci-fi in this movie, but it's close to hard sci-fi. You... you, you, you the animation kind of shows you that this thing is difficult mm -hmm. for a regular person to use. Mm -hmm. um, so the Ephrodia army uh, is eventually defeated in the manga, leading to Ishtar winning the war. Uh, in the manga, Ephrodia also had to deal with the internal threat of Misada, a religious movement that takes control of uh, Eo City after the first attack, um, because uh, in the manga the city manages to resist that attack, mm. uh, which you will see play out differently in the movie. Uh, they impose some new laws on the city, and they waste a large portion of Aphrodia's remaining forces on purpose to kind of goad things into, like, an apocalyptic situation, more mm. or less. Uh, Misada is eventually dispatched from power, but the damage has already been done, and Aphrodia is unable to make a comeback. Uh, Misada was completely removed from the film version. Hmm. Um, instead, Ishtar just easily takes over the city and imposes its own martial laws. Um, and I would assume that just this just comes down to length. Hmm. I, I would assume that they had the budget to make this movie mm -hmm. and not anything else. So, you know, they had hmm. to cut what I guess they perceived as an extraneous plot element. Mm -hmm. But also, probably... To, to give the film a more positive end note, I guess, um, because as far as I can tell, whereas the heroes in the film version come out on top, uh, the manga has a darker ending with with the good with the quote unquote good guys hmm. more or less losing the conflict. Hmm. I'm not positive about that, but that seems to be the case. Um, the film was initially licensed and released in the United States by Central Park Media, 
Uh, it was regularly aired on the Sci-Fi Channel's Saturday Anime Block. That's throughout why I the... didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Sci-Fi Channel's uh, Saturday Anime Block throughout the 90s, um, which is likely how most Western audiences were first introduced mm-hmm. to it. And this continues the trend that I've tried to maintain with some of my picks for this podcast is that weird shit that you would have stumbled across on sci-fi on on like old anime television blocks back when they used to still do that Mm -hmm. um so uh discotech media later licensed the film and gave it a dvd release in 2012 followed by a blu-ray release in 2015 um it should be noted that discotech managed to obtain a much cleaner widescreen print of the film whereas earlier releases had only used a grainy and very much stretched letterbox print. Mm. So that was a significant find that has been carried forward as other people have have licensed it. Um, Mm. Because after Discotech's rights expired, Sentai Filmworks purchased the rights and gave the film an all-new English dub. Uh, This is the most recent release of the movie, which literally came out, you know, last year, and that is the one that we are going to be watching today. Um, so why this anime? I, it caught my eye because of the aesthetic. Mm. It caught my eye, uh, because of the loose cyberpunk trend that I've tried to maintain. Yep. Um, you know, and again, to, to kind of maintain this, uh, this old timey Saturday anime thing that I have going going on, yeah. Um, but also, I I cannot find a ton about this hmm. this movie. Uh, I don't think it would be necessarily that difficult to find out more from like some detective work. But you know, you if you search it on YouTube, you can find people reviewing it. But I didn't want to watch those so that it would color my own opinions hmm. of the film. Um, but even things like the Wikipedia page, the the TV tropes page. And other things that usually provide a lot of meat for us to discuss mm-hmm. doesn't have a ton about huh. it. Uh, you know, they they kind of showcase some of the changes and the design choices, but not a whole lot else. Looks like it's up to us, Dan. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, when I when I was was searching for potential anime to cover, and I came across this release from Sentai Filmworks, and it and again, it's a significantly you know, there's work put into this release mm-hmm. with that art book and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I found it, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a lot of stuff. This must be some kind of cult classic. This has to be, you know, perceived as significant. But mm. I I don't I don't know. Yeah, I I can't really find too much about how people responded to it. Mm. Um, so again, we're going to have to extrapolate some stuff, and our reaction will be. The Pure, canon. Yeah. The canon, actually, yes. <laughs> the one way to take this film. <laughs> but it, it it fits into things that we seem to usually enjoy on this podcast. Mm. So I do hope that, well, that you will. You've surprised me with a few of your OVA picks. Mm-hmm. I'll have you know, maybe this will join the, you know, the ranks of them. Of course. A vampire hunter, bloodless D. <laughs> Whatever his name is. Traguna McCortis. I, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It's been so long, but I enjoyed that. I have no idea about this because I did not have Sci-Fi Channel as a youth so I don't think I would have seen this in channel scrolling. Well, this would have probably been before we were born oh, anyway. Oh, that too. Yeah. Mm. I feel <laughs> like this would have probably been uh, 90s. Yeah, like late 80s, mm. 90, 90 to 93. Mm. So we would have been, we wouldn't babes. Pre-mish. Yeah. So, 
again, we we would have likely not encountered it, mm. but budding anime fans from that stretch of time would have probably seen mm. it. So okay, yeah, okay. as is the case with with several things, but yeah. you know. Well, I'm excited. Rocket number nine, take me to the planet Venus. That's a song, Dan. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> We're just going to devolve into Marge on this podcast, aren't we? When we don't know what to say, quick, go to Marge. <laughs> Gotta save EO City. back uh we just watched uh venus wars mm. any initial thoughts i liked it a lot more than i thought i would Good. it was enjoyable it was a quirky fun 80s feeling romp through venus with a colorful cast of characters plenty of action battle tanks <laughs> what more can i say it, it 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 is a very uh goofy but charming yeah. little movie i think um it, it is very 80s down to the dialogue, the to the, the yeah, the music, the, the, the general look and feel. Yep. It is it is extremely eighties, and if you're okay with that kind of cheese, oh, then you will certainly it. you know. Well, I'm th- speaking oh, yes. speaking to the audience. If if that sort of cheese is to your liking, mm-hmm. then you know I think you'll be right at home in Venus Wars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll get started uh, again. Just to reiterate some world building. Yes. Uh, in the year two thousand three, a comet designated Apollon collides <laughs> with the planet Venus and disperses much of the planet's uh, heretofore toxic atmosphere at just the right angle to fix the temperature you know? in the day-night cycle and the, yeah. yeah, give it a year structure with months. <laughs> and uh, this unlikely yet scientifically sound accident uh, enables humanity to partially terraform Venus. Uh, sending the first manned ships in 2007 and colonizing it starting in 2012. Uh, we pick up in the year 2089, and it has a population in the millions that is divided between two separate nation-states. Again, the northern continent of Ishtar and the southern continent of Aphrodia. Yeah. Um, and we get bits and pieces of, of more world-building throughout the movie, uh, Hero himself is, like, our, our main protagonist, our main battle biker, mm. is from a rich family that I'm assuming was charged with, uh, growing Moss, algae, yeah, or algae, you know, to, to help the terraforming process, but Hero is disillusioned with this because seemingly, and visibly, it's not working. Mm. It's, uh, Venus is still very much like Venus, um, and I would assume that many of these youths have become disillusioned with the yeah. fact that Venus has not turned into a, a wondrous green paradise. Well, apparently Earth is a utopia in this universe. <laughs> it's at least cushier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. from what we see of it, it looks like a big city, but it, it's mm. probably mm. cushier. The the naming convention just hit me, too. It's Venus, and there's Ishtar and Afro whatever, so they're all named after variations of a goddess of love. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. I don't know if the Dan village or the burger is, but uh, that would be a convention to follow. Yeah, well, the two countries, yeah, yeah, I mean, the two countries mm. is, I mean, that's the main thing. Mm. Um, 
So uh, we open on one of our protagonists. Well, a similar opening to a certain film not yet named that would probably steal from this movie in future. <laughs> the, hmm. uh, an opening crawl set amongst you know, the, the stars. The pieces were <laughs> colliding together as to some things that may attract Dan in this movie, and I went, hmm. Of course, just yeah. like Citizen Kane, it, yeah. has a, oh, yeah. it has an opening crawl set amongst <laughs> the stars that explains where we are. There is a uh-huh. man, a certain man, and that man is Daniel <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> But uh, but after you know we get the the mm-hmm. you know we open on the spaceship descending to Venus uh, again spaceship design that I love mm-hmm. uh, we meet Susan Summers Who not not Suzanne <laughs> Summers of Three's Company fame but Susan and Summers. not Susan Sarandon <laughs> uh, she is a bubbly reporter from Earth and she travels to Venus hoping to get a scoop on the military tensions that have been escalating between the two nations. Yeah, so this is my plot line. Like yes. <laughs> I'm here for any <laughs> intrepid reporter going sticking their neck out for no reason while seducing people for the next scoop. <laughs> and she's got a little microphone in her lipstick tube. Yeah. Uh she's given yeah. a whole monologue to herself on the the bus into town. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, to, to the suspicion of people around her, but she is a she's, you know, yeah. a sneaky journalist and the design's cute she's like a cute 80s blonde yeah oh no she yeah. is very 80s yeah. she's one of the most 80s looking characters i told dan that a lot of uh there's a lot of like toriyama inspo taken here i feel oh yeah she feels like launcher bulma well, well yeah and i mean the the toriyama stuff kind of comes through and um because a lot of stuff that was in very early Dragon Ball and DBZ could kind of be described yeah, like as the mechs and stuff, like Diesel Punk. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the bigger you know, like belching exhaust, and yeah. they got this you know, and then Toriyama I think lessened that as he went along, but this movie very much it like it's not Diesel Punk, but mm-hmm. it's you know they are burning liquid fuel, and it gets and the job done. Yeah, it feels the same. And it and it yeah and it helps add to like the grittiness mm-hmm. and like you know grimy yeah. feeling that Venus has yeah uh, you know because again it's it is not the paradise that I guess humanity was promised mm. um, so she arrives at the Aphrodian capital uh, and she you know is in this little dive bar underground <laughs> meets her contact bribes him with some some camel, camel cigarettes, cigarettes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, visible branding and uh, you know. He, receives a gun, a video recorder, and some tapes, I think. Yeah. To record on. And and that's one of the first glimpses, because the technology is very much the, you know, which is a combination that I like. Like, it's, they got space-age travel <laughs> capabilities, but they're using, like... Rotary phones to call back home to Earth. <laughs> well, yeah, they're using, like, 80s tech, they're using yeah. brand new 80s technology to do stuff, and mm. they got little you know, tube TVs and little Sony handycams and, you know, it's, uh, it's cute. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, her contact at the bar kind of establishes the fact that, uh, the forces of Ishtar have already advanced and are already attacking Aphrodian territories, but no one is talking about this and the government Mm. is seemingly covering it up. What? The government tells lies? Um... (laughs) So, but her attention is also drawn to the very dangerous battle bike race that is being broadcast on the TV. Uh, people Can we just are betting stick to card it. games on motorbikes? Yeah, the simpler times. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, the card games on the bikes only flies on Earth. This yeah. is, battle bikes is a very brutal sport that would never fly Like, I'm going to take my penny farthing out and go battle bike on it. That's essentially what they're doing. <laughs> You know, and we do, for, you know, for the sake of world building, we do get, like, the gist of, uh, you know, how this... Uh, game. 
rollerball-ish <laughs> racing game is, is you know, set up. It's uh, two teams mm-hmm. on their monocycle. Mo- most of them are mo- monocycles. Yeah. And, you know, you got to lap and kind of take out your opponents to get points. Mm-hmm. And the more yeah. you do that, you know, and each team has a queen. queen. Mm-hmm. And you gotta aim to take them out to score more points. I would have liked more of this. I hate yeah. that it gets interrupted. I thought that was gonna be like the first half of the film, but y- it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, in in you would think in like a more quintessential '80s movie, the dirt bike race would Sport, would yeah. would come in. You know, and it does technically. Yeah, it does. That's we how they're honing their skills. Yeah, you know. Um, but obviously, if this were like a live action '80s film and they only had the budget to film some dirt bikes, mm-hmm. then that would be the extent of it. But in this case, it sets up, you know, their abilities. We also get the iconic bop that is "Ride and Crush, Crush and Ride." Yes, <laughs> a, a very uplifting '80s <laughs> opening theme, uh, advising you to pursue your dreams. Ride and crush, crush and ride. Uh, you know, don't let your dreams be memes. <laughs> it's, yeah, kind of. Yeah, anime opening. Love it. Um, and uh, the the main protagonist is Hiro Seno, and um, he is a hotshot battle biker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to be one of the more competent members of the battle bike team, aside from Miranda, who we'll, we'll get to, because she kind of carries a lot herself. By saying very little. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, it ends up where Hiro is one of the few, you know, leading... Uh, killer commandos Mm -hmm. to still be in the race and that i believe their team does end up winning um but or or comes in the lead but an air raid of of io city has begun led by general donner Mm. um the malicious strange silver-haired sephiroth type man that is leading the charge against uh on on beautiful hair yes (laughs) beautiful um so uh you know the invasion of of eo city has begun. Uh, we get some very cool shots of these airships being used by Ishtar's forces. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Ishtar invasion force pretty much drops the low, like they j- jettison the lower half of one of these airships into, into the yeah, like into the stadium. Uh, I would assume that there is some real world strategy that this is based on. Yeah, like, just drop things on people. <laughs> Uh, cause, cause it, it has like, um, happens in Final Fantasy seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's very, you get the sense that the bottom half of the ship transforms into like a little glider type mm-hmm. thing. So it can take out a huge populated area at mm-hmm. once, but it, it crashes into and destroys, um, what looks like the main fuel pipeline from the city, you know, that yeah. like a, a huge part of of EO City's infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And not only does it take out this main highway that connects a lot of this stuff, but I, I believe we're supposed to see that the fuel is destroyed mm-hmm. or uh, cut off from the rest of it. Um, needless to say, the invasion of EO City is completed in less than one day. Um, and they have these tanks, Dan. Yes. Uh, the, the big deal... Okay, because uh, yeah. Sue... Uh, hot on the trail of this scoop. <laughs> just in the streets going, I need a scoop! What am I... Ah! She's just <laughs> getting shot at and narrowly missing. She's getting great footage. Yeah. Um, and and we kind of see that the main crux of the Ishtar invasion force are, of course, these huge A1, quote-unquote, octopus tanks that are incredibly powerful, incredibly destructive, and they are mostly impervious to any kind of 
local security or civilian ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are pretty much bulldozing their way through this EO city. The city is taken over in one day, and the politicians, police, and press submit to Ishtar's authority. Yes. Uh, the city is, you know, put under martial law. A curfew is imposed. Um, Susan hooks up with Will, meets him for the first time. Yeah, on his dune buggy. Yeah, with the other babes. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the the, the roadies, <laughs> whatever. Well, yeah, I think they're. I, I don't. I'm not sure what they're, they're just there to like assist. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um. And then we see that hero and Maggie kind of get together, and Maggie is the team's nurse. Yes. Slash mechanic. She was doing she, something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She. I. I believe she's mostly. She's a nursing student, so yeah. I, I, she's there to. Thought she was gonna be in the film more too. Yeah. And, and and I would assume um, when we when we talk about characters as we keep going that maybe in the manga they all have they are, more yeah. extended. I mean, it I works. I have a feeling that Chris, for instance, has oh, much more to yeah. do. Um, oh, we need to discuss Chris in detail because looking at his thing in the art book, I would assume that he does play a part in some kind of arc, but. I can't be certain of that. Yeah. Um, we'll have to, you know, I can do more research and maybe in a future tangent clarify that. Mm. Um, I did not tonight because I'm a hack, but <laughs> still, uh, you know, Hero and Maggie, you know, go to the, go mall. To the mall. As I don't want to go to the mall. And when I said, you live on fucking Venus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, as, as we in New Jersey would do before COVID. Um, and Maggie is one of the people who is very much trying to pretend that nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Even in light of this invasion. Uh, she, you know, they kind of walk through... Uh, this the the mall again, very New Jersey esque. Mm-hmm. It's painted with a big mural of things that we can't see, such as nature and clouds <laughs> and sun mm. and uh, lots of you know bright colors and like this is the the Venus that we were promised. Like this is what mm. we still want. We want like nature and beauty and things like that. If only New Jersey could ever be that beautiful. But <laughs> you know, it it quickly you know when she sees the damage that has been done mm-hmm. to. You know the mall and the rest of the city by this invasion. It kind yeah, well, of well, the militia turns against them too. Like yeah, their own militia. <laughs> uh, you know, presumably because the you know the the local authorities are panicking and don't want any mm-hmm. disruption. Mm. Um, yeah, because Donner's got this like iron grip on the city the and city it's, on it's too much to ignore. Yep, have that down. Um, uh, we also get a lot of shots of uh, Miranda looking into the distance at the battle and going, "I can't." take this much more <laughs> yeah M- Miranda's one of the like more she's, active members she, of she's the... cool I wish she would do more yeah though. she's just standing around for the whole movie she's 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 tough she's you know again she initiates a lot of the action in yeah. the movie by herself um and again I would assume in the manga she probably gets to do more um whatever had to be truncated for the sake of putting it in this movie you know, less so, but we, we, you know, she's very much the team leader, mm-hmm. fittingly as, like, the queen of, of the, the battle bike team. Yeah. Um, uh, the next thing I have down before General Donner holding the city in their grasp is Susan can't use the shots she took because the government seems to welcome the occupation. Yes, she goes to the, the free Venus press, <laughs> um, and they're like, we're not printing this officially, we welcome it. Get off this planet. You know. Something smells rotten in the state of Venus. Oh, we gotta get to the bottom of this. And in true Lois Lane fashion, (laughs) she's like, there's a story here, I'm not leaving. And, you know. 
but they're like, you better get on the next transport. Mm. You know, you're not, this isn't like your cushy planet Earth or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so. Yeah. And the whole team of ragamuffins is squirreled away in Gary's goods. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's old pop stop. Whatever he does here, he's adopted these ruffians under his begrudged wing. Yeah, he, the Gary, the old mustachioed mechanic that, I guess, uh, houses the team. Because, you know, it's a group of kids who have presumably run away from home or been orphaned. Yeah. I, I think the implication would be that Hero ran away from home because mm-hmm. his parents are apparently rich. Yeah. Um, but the other ones, I would assume, maybe have been orphaned by this conflict between the two nations. Mm. Um I think this is one of the first time. I think in one of these establishing shots, we see the Ishtar troopers, mm. like the shock troopers they have. Mm-hmm. And as I noted to you, they look very similar to, like, uh, the Warhammer troops. I wouldn't know. And they also look <laughs> similar to, like, the uh, someone in Fallout. Yeah. Um, cool designs. They're very imposing-looking yeah. troops. They take bullets like no other. And they get a few shots near the end of the movie mm-hmm. that are, you know, kind of... Menacing. Powerful. Yeah, they're not like... And I, I appreciate that in movies yeah. where they, they make the goons more, like, intimidating looking. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Hero visits his teammate Jack, who is staying in uh, apparently his uncle's high-rise apartment mm-hmm. overlooking this, this shopping complex. Um, however, the police see them as trespassers, and they lead an unprovoked assault against Hero. Uh, who makes a, a very daring escape from their custody. Um, and we get this whole action scene uh, with him escaping on his battle bike. Uh, this was this was actually the clip that I looked up. Yeah, pursued know. by a three-wheeler cop car. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's actually a drone. Yeah. There's, like, there's a mix of drones and then buggies that are yeah. piloted by the cops. And this uh, three-tired uh, three tired car gets around, mama. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it is cool because yeah. this, you know, he's being pursued by this, this cop drone, and it can go downstairs. It can kind of flatten itself out to get through See, I thought hallways. this would be like the octopus name because it's like squeezing itself into impossible scenarios. That would make sense, yeah. but I don't I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then again, but this was the this was the preview scene that I saw before ordering this movie. Um, again, this whole chase sequence is playing out where they're in the underbelly underbelly of of EO City. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sun is blocked out. The curfew's enabled. <laughs> um, Hero is kind of escaping the numerous police forces. The animation really emphasizes that it is difficult to handle these monocycles. Mm-hmm. Like, they are fast, but Hero really has to be, you know, quick thinking to maneuver this thing properly. And mm-hmm. we get a lot of cool shots of him taking it up onto, like, the um, barrier or barricade of the, the highway, mm-hmm. onto some piping. You know, very elaborate chase scene that Giving is well the done. old uh, 80s classic, don't you idiots know? That's a one-way street. Yeah. Wink. And he gets... You gotta, you gotta, if you gotta go in for the cheese. I know, Bong Shing Wong, anything goes. <laughs> if you, you gotta, you gotta, if you're lactose intolerant, then don't, don't, don't watch Venus Wars. That's all I can, you know, you gotta, there's 80s. Gotta take your lactate first. And a lot of the background, I mean, on the note of 80s cheese, a lot of the side characters look like Top Gun people. Yeah, like yeah. the, I'm pretty sure there's like direct maverick and iceman mm. like they all have the 80 aviator shades mm-hmm. and it's you know that vibe is present throughout the entire movie 
And um, then um, when Hero's trying to escape, he gets glanced by a bullet, and I put down Unbreakable slow mo fall. Yeah. Ooh, owie, owie, owie. Right in the pants. <laughs> and, and then he manages to stumble his way to Maggie's abode elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets to, to Maggie's apartment, uh, who is, you know, sitting at home with her cat, Andrew. Andrew the cat, star of the show. Um, and she manages to, to not only tend to his wound and kind of nurse him back to health, uh, but they do share, um, like a, like a slight romantic moment, um, which has kind of started off, like, where Hero explains that his family's algae forms were mm-hmm. pretty much useless. And her dad's, like, an architect that, like, yeah. helped design. Yeah, he's, he's not, he's not fully a bigwig, but he's close to being yeah. a bigwig, and that will later on be enough to get them out of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but the he, Hero is explaining that, you know, the farms, with the, you know, the algae farms were, you know, the, the Frodian government pretty much set them up to secure land and keep that land away from Ishtar, and that the crops pretty much failed every time the weather changed, mm-hmm. which, you know, on Venus would be, you would get a lot of extremes, um, again, Grant's not here to, to clarify what extremes, but you would get a lot of extremes. Um, and the algae, they were pretty much useless. They were just for show. They were quite literally just put there to keep territory away from Ishtar. Mm. Um, which has led to a lot of angst for Hero. And that's presumably why he ran away. Um, we then you get a line where he's like, don't you see? It's all meaningless. And then we get the classic anime cry kiss. It's like, yeah. Ah! kiss me you know he he, they they do kiss maggie's like who else have you kissed like this and he's like (laughs) my mom (laughs) (laughs) um so uh again like you described it in a very charlie brown scene oh my god uh maggie's dad comes home from work uh forcing some sandwiches ready for me Forcing Hero to hide in the closet. You better not be a boy here. And he, you know, he reveals that his status as like a, a mid-tier bureaucrat is enabling them to uh, be evacuated. Because yeah. uh, most of the high-ranking politicians, as as Will explained to Sue earlier on, have already fled the city, even if they haven't told people that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Hero sneaks out the back. Yeah, he sneaks out the back. Uh, after Maggie's dad goes on the 80s dad speech about those, well, who you're hanging out with those battle bikers, they're a bunch of ruffians and hooligans and you don't need them. Like, they're a bunch of trash. You know, like, the, again, the very, you know, don't go dancing 80s yeah. dads. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think there was also a scene in here where uh, General Donner was... Her, like, threatening the main politicians in the city before they fled. Mm. Like, I'm aware that this the central part of this city is going to be very difficult to take, but we will crush this city if anyone tries to rebel against us. So keep that in mind before you try to organize a resistance. So a little, a little esta- <clears throat> establishing stuff for him. Mm. Um, so uh, you know he. Let's see before we finish. I next have that we get a flash sideways to Miranda snooping around. Uh, Gary's uh, garage and she tells her cronies to move and discovers that there's an anti-tank missile like launcher well yeah because um, Gary receives a visitor in the night oh um, yeah that's true I got and, the goods I got kids sleeping here come around back we got the Mario 35th anniversary edition oh you know. yeah 
Um, but more or less Gary has been moving or smuggling illegal arms into the city, um, even though he puts on, like, this grumpy old man neutral persona, he is apparently very much taking an active role in trying to reclaim it. Well, he's got a cyber leg. He does. He lost it in the war. (laughs) To a tank. (laughs) Well, we, we don't even hear that it was a war. We hear that it was, he was protesting something. Mm. He was protesting some kind of government action and went up against a tank and him and his friends were, you know, paid the price for it. Mm. You know, he lost his friends and his leg in the process, but... Which is interesting, because, like, I, I assume that it would be one of those, like... Again, like, cyberpunk things, like, Oh, yeah, the war with Venezuela in 2055, <laughs> where the... The, they the used, pizza war. Yeah, the, the Great <laughs> Moose War, blah, 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 you know. But it's not. It's, it's, it's seemingly that he was protesting some kind of authoritarian thing, yeah. and they were punished for it. And Gary only proves the fact that if you wear your own name on a hat, you're badass. Well, he's got a lot of branding. Yeah. It's all over the place. <laughs> on his big... He's marketed Venus. ...garage, yeah. his, you know... Um, and, uh, you know, they, they find all these... Wait, I said ten. This is what the Antifa was! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's blow up the tanks, guys! Woo! And uh, I said, like, this is Antifa's response to free healthcare. Jokingly, right? Uh, are these the SJWs? <laughs> exactly. You know, so, uh, but he... You know he'd be on Battle Biker's side. <laughs> well, yeah, he got, you always gotta be... Yeah. Yeah. Um... But, uh, you know, Miranda is pretty much making it clear that with this weapons cache, they can at least make an attempt to rebel against the invading Ishtar forces. But they don't have a plan. It was very upsetting from the start. Well, they have a very stupid plan. um, We shoot tank, no other tanks come. The end. Well, no, it was light tank on fire. Yeah, in stadium to reclaim our turf. Yeah, so, you know, and then Gary, again, a lot of 80s tropes. Gary's like, you kids don't know what you're getting into. And then, like, like five minutes later, he's like, move, work faster, kids. I'm going to help you do the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the main crux of the plan, well, Hero also joins in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, we're going to we're gonna rebel battle some tanks well and again it's it's it is very very 80s it's it's like he walks into the room and he's like well old man you might have lost your fighting spirit but i still got my you know and it's so yeah they're gonna they're gonna you know start doing an uprising um but the main plan seems to be to uh get closer to the stadium fill one of these tanker trucks with fuel Mm -hmm. um and then pretty much light the octopus tank on fire or douse it yeah. in this gasoline you know or burning gasoline start truck. a fire with gasoline like david bowie so they uh the killer commandos lead an assault against the tanks but they severely underestimate <laughs> the strength of ishtar's military uh jack and gary two of the the bros well, on let's the... not classify them in the same league jack gets a, a stupid death get out of the road he runs gets shot right it's like yeah. okay poor jack gary gets a hero's death <laughs> oh yeah. yeah well no yeah we'll yeah. get to that we'll get to that jack is is killed uh-huh. first um hero nearly dies but he uh manages to get into the cockpit of this construction crane and i'm like oh dan loves this i, I do. can feel it every time there's a battle bot sort of scenario I do with love some heavy, heavy machinery yeah. it, it's it's just chef's kiss <laughs> um but he uses this giant construction uh like backhoe thing to 
significantly damage the octopus tank. Mighty crane slap. And he, you know, uses it to pull the uh, the tank off of like a cliffside into like this ravine and destroys it. Uh, but in the process, Gary, who old man jumped, old man strength pulls himself up, like up the crane to like tell Hero to knock it off. That life's worth living. Yeah, like you got a lot to live for, kiddo. What are you doing? And uh, Gary takes a tumble when the crane collapses from being shot at too much. Hero he survives, falls, but we never see the body. Well, yeah, but he's, like, he's, he's it's open. It's like he's an old man. It's like the freeze frame of yeah. So, oh, I'm just saying, man. I gotta show you know, me the receipts. I don't think Gary had that in him. <laughs> so, Thought he was gonna come back. Um, so you know, more uh, Ishtar tanks are arriving. Not not all octopus tanks, but like a few just standard Ishtar little mm-hmm. little tanks. Um, but the team is saved at the last minute by the Ephrodian Freedom Force, uh, which has also been planning to attack the stadium, and, uh, the main guy, uh, Lieutenant, uh, Jeffrey Cart, Jeffrey Carts, <laughs> which here in this summary is spelt as Kurtz. It, but they pronounce it Carts in the dub, yeah, it, and I think Carts is funnier. Well, no, and in the <laughs> art book, in the art book, it's also Carts. Mm. So it's like, this is sort of an Apocalypse Now reference, but not, eh. I didn't expect any battle bikers to get here before us. Yeah, um... And immediately sexual tension between him and Hero. Yeah, like, which, mm-hmm. which we don't, we oh. don't know the ages of, oh. of any of these yeah, people. Yeah, they're so. 12. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so he uh, off screen Kurtz clearly thinks that their mono biker yeah. skills this is like act two. Yeah, yeah, are would be useful, and he kind of shanghai's them into the Bloodhound mm-hmm. Squadron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to A pilot tag gang of soldiers that have anti octopus weaponry apparently. Well, they have better anti tank weapons. They have pickle they can, mobiles. They can yeah. The, well, the pickle mobiles have. <laughs> Are equipped with rail guns yeah. that can damage. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're one of the few things that can do that. Because um, I think uh, Kurtz manages to one shot um, w- like a small tank mm-hmm. using his rail gun. Um, so they're kind of cooped up in this one of these mobile transports as they're training to use these battle bikes with the Bloodhound yeah. Squadron. Susan's there. She's been. Uh, hornswoggled along because she can't go back because they don't want her reporting on what's going on here. Yeah. Um, uh, Hero has a moment where he thinks Gary's in the room as a ghost and recalls his death. Yeah. <laughs> with the same flashback scene we just saw two minutes ago. Yeah. With, I guess it's there it, to like show us that he is dead. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, I think a voiceover of, of Gary, like, so you want to do battle bikes, eh? Like, I'll help you out. Which I'm assuming is when they met, but we don't. Yeah, we don't know. Um, and uh, Will and Sue both think that it's important to fight for Aphrodite's freedom, uh, but Hero and Miranda want nothing to do with the war. Yeah. Um, and at this point, do we get the slap heard around the world or no? Well, or is it a little bit later? No, I no. Well, that is. I think that is NBC's oh, okay. the slap. So like NBC's slap happens because Hero doesn't want to be part of this, and Susan comes up out of nowhere. And is like, oh well, you're just too chicken shit to fight for the military, huh? And then Miranda shows up and, and just slaps <laughs> her. Um, Stop that. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, so so Sue takes off. Will follows her. Yeah. Um. You know, not not leave like you know they. She just <laughs> Sue runs out. Mm. Uh, Will follows her, and yeah, because they they are love interests at this point. Um. And uh, yeah. So so Will is eventually called out on a mission, and Sue begs him to to take her along. Mm-hmm. Uh, he instead convinces her to wire her camera to his monobike. So that he can film their attack. Um, and this is one of the first instances in the movie where we get live action scenery. Which is cool. It, it is, yeah. yeah. And you told me to remind you of another movie? Yes. Uh, there was a there was a movie. Uh, it was one that my, my dad and I have always enjoyed. Uh, the Angry Red Planet. Mm. Which was a sci-fi B-movie released, uh, I think, in the, in the 60s or 70s. And in order to portray the alien environment of of Mars, the entire film was like rotoscoped over with this red color scheme, hmm. which at the time was was an impressive, you feat. know, feat of of filming. Um, and this kind of gave me vibes of that because it's this live action footage with a heavy blue filter over over it, and it's filmed in, like, first-person perspective. So as Will is weaving his way through these Ishtar transports and tanks, we are seeing it firsthand, and it is all of the animated vehicles and people set against a, you know, mm-hmm. real footage of some kind of desert canyon. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, in the chaos of the battle, Will disappears. Um... And, and Sue steals a buggy to search for him out on the battlefield. Crying in the rain. But she stumbles upon the terrible truth that he is, in fact, dead. Um, upset over Will's fate, Hero and the Commandos demand to be freed from the Freedom Force's custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Kurtz, Kurtz, sorry, <laughs> uh, and Hero Yahoo! strike up a lot of animosity between each other, and Kurtz challenges Hero to a race. Where we don't have the time or patience for, but sure, let's settle this machismo in a different way, right? Again, 80s, it's a, we're gonna have a motorbike. You're, right? I, if you beat me to the end of the ravine without getting destroyed. If you can beat me in Smash, then I'm gonna give you the, <laughs> a yes. game of skill. Hmm. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so, they, uh... We'll settle it in Smash. <laughs> they, they have, like, like their passive-aggressive race through this ravine, mm-hmm. uh, with Carts uh, basically <laughs> saying that you know if you can beat me out of the opening of this canyon, then you and your friends can go. Like I don't like like I don't really care if your friends leave. Uh, granted, they you know they shouldn't drop you know military intelligence to anyone, mm-hmm. but if you lose, win or lose, you know, or, or well, if you lose, you have to stay here because. Uh, Karts is like, I see some kind of battle spirit in you, and I think that that would be good for the war effort, is, mm. you know, having you on our side. Is that the only thing Karts sees? Again, I don't... It's because... that 80s Top Gun <laughs> flavor. Yeah, I don't... It, it, it is... Karts... It's homoerotic. <laughs> Karts is, like, given a lot of showcase for... And again, I'm assuming it's just because of how much the story had to be condensed... Yeah. I would assume that Kurtz gets a lot more development. He comes off kind of like a, a Levy from Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of a authority. Levi. Levi. <laughs> I apologize. Oof, I apologize. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't get a ton of development for him. He's just there being snide. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Hero loses the race 
uh, by a very slim margin. Yeah, that I would have been like, okay, you kind of won that. Yeah, but but, but Karts clearly wants his skill set, and you know, on on his the team. Uh, Hero <laughs> uh, grudgingly accepts this you know arrangement, and he says goodbye to Miranda and his other friends. And... Miranda gives an impassioned speech, like, "You better come back. Yeah. You won't see me in the movie again. You're a hothead. This is so... all I'm gonna do." Um, you know, and they're, they're presumably going back to Io City to help with the resistance. Yeah. Um, back in Io, uh, General Donner is visited by Sue, who oh, has... Uh, Sue's... Welcome to my establishment, I'm totally straight. Who <laughs> has strong As arms. you could see. <laughs> a man of culture with this Venus de Milo statue sitting opposite me. And he... I'm um, just a plucky reporter. Can I get you on camera before the interview? And he, sure. And he's of course. And he d- dismisses his guards. <laughs> this like, is a nod camera. <laughs> it's yeah. actually a gun. <gasps> and unfortunately, okay, but understand because she is just you know she is she's a upset, reporter yeah. and and she's very you know uncertain of of fighting stuff. Uh, kind of telegraphs that she's hidden a gun inside yeah. her camera and goes to shoot him. But the safety is on. on. Well, Um, no, she has this whole thing, like, you killed him, and then he gives, like, the classic speech of, like, I am but a general, what killed your lover is war, and how do I... (laughs) Kill her. How do you, God, you, you, that's how you get me. You've got to give me like a riddle. And I'm like, what does that even guards get her? <laughs> I didn't make Suspiria fail at the box office. You. Nor did the movie viewers. <laughs> it's merely <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so. But how do I kill a concept? <laughs> so he, you know, um, luckily, you know, and then, and then, uh, Donner throws like his little ashtray, yeah, like, <laughs> like, oh, right in my tit, <laughs> and then uh, and takes you know, and he he has a moment to like intimidate Sue, yeah. by like unloading her gun and yeah. then making her pass out by like clicking she, the gun against yeah, her, empty, yeah, and she is taken away, um, uh, passed out, and we you know we don't know her fate immediately. Yeah. Then we get an introduction to. My favorite character, Lonely Boy, Purple Scorpion, Chris. Yes. Who He's I... like, hey, hot stuff, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, wow, is it going to be one of those movies? Yeah, and, and I don't know, and again, I'm assuming that Chris is, uh, probably yeah. gets, like, more of a of a role mm-hmm. in, in the manga, but as far as this movie and, like, the art book is concerned, he's there to reinforce the hero that war is meaningless yeah that they are all expendable and they're like because he's very laissez-faire he doesn't want to get involved in anything yeah and it's it's established that he has been around a while in this unit and he (laughs) mostly just stays back and doesn't like volunteer for things because he kind of gets the fact that they are all very much expendable uh you know they're there they're sent out to die because it's like an easy solution and and we do get that reinforced through other scenes where the Burgermeister shows up. Um, the the bigger, bolder guy who is... I'll slaughter these troops as if they were donuts on a platter. <laughs> yeah, who is... He visits, I would assume, from one of the, you know, uh, Frodian capitals. Uh, he visits other bold general dude uh, whose name escapes me. I forget but his name, too. He, um, 
he also, Burgermeister also telegraphs that, you know, brilliant to use motorcyclists, you could dispose of them as you please. And and Kurtz is like, yes. <laughs> so I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. So they are, they are assholes, but... Um, they, uh... There's this sexual scene, sexual tension-building scene between Hero and Kurtz, too, where Kurtz is, like, on his Game Boy on the computer. Yeah, he's sitting in, on his computer, and it's, like, bright fucking green. Yeah. Uh, even, like, you know, because they're in the mobile command center place, and, and we just hear a bunch of beep, boop, beep, yeah. and it's, it's, it's Kurtz on his, like, big computer screen, Playing just, like, Galaga. doing something. Yeah. And, He's uh, like, did you know the headrest was bulletproof? Next time you're shooting an octopus, say dead and think of me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hero, I put down Hero goes, what exactly are we doing right now? <laughs> so, you know, um, but they, uh, this is all building towards the fact that Kurtz is leading uh, the Bloodhound Squadron in a Kurtz. surprise. <laughs> Uh, attack an intense strike on EO City to, mm-hmm. to try to IO City to try to uh, you know free it presumably. Yeah, no. Well, he wants to battle for the Cosmoport. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. But this is another cool design that I like. Yeah. Uh, IO City has you like the straight ramp into the heavens. But yeah, because they're not the, the a lot of old sci-fi movies did that mm. where you know um, it has to gain speed. The the rocket is takes off on this. Yeah. Like King Dakar like esque ninety degree ramp <laughs> that launches into you know a lot mm. of I, it's not the best example, mm. but I think Tomorrowland has something that references that, mm. and then but there's a lot of old sci fi movies that do the the ramp takeoff thing. Other anime yeah no, have done I, that. I wouldn't doubt it. I just think it's a bad design. <laughs> well, yes, but it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so they uh, you know they they kind of go through this this uh, this fight. Um, Chris Kartz, gets blown up. Carts, yeah. Well, yeah. Chris gets blown up along with bold general dude yeah. uh, in the mobile command center. Um, so Carts uh, actually has his bike disabled, but Hero manages to get through. You know, kind of just through sheer luck and skill. Um, and he goads, as you called in the moment before, that yeah. Donner's hubris. The, yeah, his hubris will be his downfall. He runs up the ramp, and I'm like, all right, is this just going to flip over and explode? Is that like, how we defeat these things? Tanks can't go vertical, so I, don't do that. And even, like, the people that are in the tank with him are like, um, maybe don't do this. But he's, he's, at that point, he's consumed with anger that a child He's clouded has... with eyes filled with rage. <laughs> yes, he, he's, hatred. you know, he's very angry that, that Hero has been managing to, like, evade his attacks and mess with him. So he's like, I will, I will kill you. You know, and he, he drives the tank forward, he's shooting it, um, and he inadvertently shoots the top of the runway, which collapses down and destroys the tank and presumably kills Donner. Though we don't get confirmation of that. But what about we... Blitzen, Dan? Uh, you could have made that joke of I, it. I saved it to the end <laughs> an hour ago I don't, I don't think it paid off <laughs> <laughs> um, but Burgermeister <laughs> Meister Burger. comes to survey the scene and they say get me a McFlurry <laughs> so they're gonna they come around uh, and they establish that IO City will soon be liberated um and uh, Karts with his broken leg, it's like <laughs> still seducing. You know, you can leave for now, but it'd be a shame if you don't come back. <laughs> yeah, like like you can take my bike, and then if you want to drop the line that the other soldier. Oh, what was it? Uh, he's overflowing, overflowing with, with daring do. <laughs> so, um, 
they are the obviously the rest of the military is impressed with Hero's actions. Uh, Karts is confident that Hero will eventually return to help them in this conflict. Um, but in the meantime, he gives Hero his his monobike, sands the railgun, um, and we get a, kind of a montage of Hero riding away through this live action landscape, yeah. kind of seen you know through a regular color filter now. Um, and he make you know he he's driving. He sees Sue, who is being evacuated back to Earth. Um, you know, she thanks him for all that he's done, and and kind of tells him that uh, you know uh, Maggie, Maggie is probably in this one refugee, refugee camp. camp mm-hmm. um, you know, and she promises to come back and visit Venus again. Um, following Sue's tip, Hero makes the long trek to a refugee camp. What do you hound on? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> ride and crash, crash and ride. <laughs> where uh, he he and Maggie are happily reunited, uh, thanks to to Andrew making an appearance. Yep. Um, and back on Earth, uh, <laughs> Sue has uh, given a world exclusive scoop uh, to the you know to the press. Well, well reported on the Venus Wars. And where are you going next, Sue? Me. <laughs> I'm going back to Venus. To see my friends. Uh, whistle, because I, I can't whistle. I can't whistle either. <laughs> he does the 80s, 80s business reporter is like, where are you going next? And he's like, going back to Venus. And then, and it's the one shot of Earth that we get. And yeah. it's like very clearly a built up metropolis city. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's supposed to be New York. I don't it think it is. is. It um, probably but, is. Um, but she is going to spend her vacation on Venus so she can rejoin her friends, whom we were like, eh, are yeah. they really her friends? But, you know. I uh, wouldn't welcome her back. <laughs> but, you know, the, the conflict on Venus has seemingly been brought to the attention of folks on Earth, and what will happen next uh, remains uncertain. But, mm. you know, our uh, you know, hero is has survived. I think this is a more positive ending than the manga got. Again, okay. I, think, I think Ishtar won <laughs> in that. And they could still win in this continuity, but for the sake of this movie's narrative, I would assume they wanted it to end on not, like, a downer. Mm. Um, but yeah, that yeah. that is Venus Wars. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, tasting time, who would enjoy this as well? Um, Star Wars fans. <laughs> well, actually, because it's not a lot in space. It's a lot of, yeah. um, like, I, I would legitimately, we've we've beaten this dead horse, but it... it if you like 80s action movies, yes. if you like cheesy 70s slash 80s sci-fi, you know, mm-hmm. action movies. Uh, like motorbikes. Yeah. It, it is it is overflowing with that vibe mm-hmm. of, machinery. of that era. Well, yes, if you like, if you're yeah. <laughs> heavy machinery, as I am, then, uh, then that. If you like big cranes slapping you. <laughs> you know, little touches of diesel punk and cyberpunk yeah. in there. Uh, but it's very much it's kind, kind of, of cute '80s character designs meshed within this too. Yes, all of the characters are very recognizable as individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they they all stand out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even there's a lot. It feels like there's a lot of little animation homages to like Akira in yeah in here. I was gonna say that too the bald dude looks like that general from Akira yeah the, the, well and there's a lot of shots in where other, they're skidding the bike well there's yeah skidding the bike <laughs> people's hats like mm-hmm. do the the eye cover thing mm-hmm. that we see a lot of, some of the character models look like they're references to yeah you know I mean Hero spends most of the movie in like the the 
JoJo school jacket with mm -hmm. the 80s, well, the anime shonen protagonist, like, high-collared yeah. tank top that, yeah. like, every... Uh, Saint Saint Seiya, uh, mm -hmm. Seiya himself wears that as I his see. like default outfit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're a fan of of the tropiness and some cheesiness, uh, it, it is it is legitimately a very entertaining and charming movie. Mm. So I agree. As I said, liked it more than I thought I would. Of course, would return. Of course, to uh, Venus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's blast off from this episode. But before we go, Dan, where can our audience find us on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Dennis, as well as our uh, adjacent Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast Instagram account, mm. and on Facebook. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, and I, Anime I, Was Not a Mistake. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can find me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at my mini-podcast, Nightcaps at the Theater, where me, Mark Zebro Jr., and Matt Cabrera look at some movies and get a little drizzy drunk. Uh, I also host another podcast, Solo. That's another Star Wars reference for you there. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to, you know, beat around the bush, but uh, it's called Drink and Read, and I'm currently reading Tolstoy's War and Peace. Bet you didn't think I could read. <laughs> well, the yoke's on you. I'm almost done with that, and I'm having a blast with it. Um, and you can find me and my witty humor on Drink and Read JK on Twitter and Losing My Mind JK on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. mm. So what do we have on in store for listeners next? Well, once again, we are fighting evil by moonlight, <laughs> winning love by daylight, <laughs> and keeping the loose theme of space together as we continue our trek into Sailor Moon Season 1 Part 2. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We won't meet any more of the inner senshi, but <laughs> there's still more to be had. Who is that masked man tuxedo mask, huh? That's a scoop of the century right there. Oh. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weeb horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast, or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>